unfortunately, not all young people know where their food comes from or understand how food is produced and how it gets to the dinner table. The Country Trust is working to rectify that. It's really important to inspire young people coming out of school about food farming and the management of the countryside. We'll speak to Verity Chapel from the Trust and Stephanie Barclay from the Farm Safety Foundation, updating us on safety and their upcoming Mind Your Head campaign to improve mental health in agriculture. We can help to mitigate those mental health risks, the potential ones that are there, and the vulnerabilities that the farming community face. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you're well, coping with lockdown 3.0. I'm Steve Orchard. Welcome to the first regular farming programme of 2021, starting with a little bit of good news. Livestock markets can continue safe trading under lockdown, provided they follow new guidelines put together by the Livestock Auctioneers Association, including a drop-and-go policy for vendors. Now, you may have seen a tweet doing the rounds, which has caused much disbelief and some anger. It shows a homeschooling question. How can farming harm the environment? Students choose one from It reduces biodiversity It can release toxic chemicals into the food chain It destroys habitats And it takes up too much room Which could be used for other things Sarah Houseman, you're a Harper Adams agriculture student from Spalding You got in touch with the programme almost instantly This tweet appeared So what's your view on it? I think the tweet is relevant But how it was written was misworded It could have been worded in a better way to portray agriculture in more positive light. All four choices were very negative, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, all four choices are answers as well, but it said when you like read the comments that only one could be chosen and it wouldn't let you choose none either. So if you had an opinion, you couldn't do it how you wanted to do it kind of thing as well. Hmm. You say that the, the wording was bad. What would you have done to change it? Maybe it could have been like, reworded to say is there ways in which how farming harms the environment could be reduced or something to put a different twist on the question kind of thing did you have any um education in farming the ways of the countryside and so on when you were at school uh no not at all so actually this is really relevant so i've been on the oxford farming conference scholars program for the last two days and as scholars, we were set an activity to um, suggest how we could recruit new entrants into the agricultural industry and retain them. So we were saying one of the ways that this could be done was more education within schools. Like, so when you're at primary school, you always get visits from like doctors, policemen and things like that. But you don't tend to get people from like the agricultural industry or farming. So it's never like portrayed as a viable career and that there is positive from it. That's Sarah Houseman, student at Harper Adams. Thank you, Sarah. One organisation working to achieve what Sarah suggests is the Country Trust. And I spoke a few days ago, pre-lockdown, to Verity Chapel from the Trust. Morning, Verity. Good morning, Steve. Tell us a little bit about the Country Trust. What what do you actually do? Okay, the Country Trust is a charity uh, that works across England and North Wales. And we offer free safe, high-quality visits to real working farms for select primary schools that uh, are eligible for 23% preschool meals and other pupil referral units, SEN schools and young carers or refugee groups. So it's quite a select group, um, but probably uh, children that don't necessarily get the chance 
to visit a real working farm. And when they visit the farm, what are, we, what are you showing them? What are you teaching them? Well, what we try and obviously do is, um, one, get the children out on the farm, um, meet the animals, meet a real farmer. Um, just ev- everything to do with farm life is obviously very exciting to a primary age child. We've got lots and lots of opportunities for children to learn about the outdoor. Not just about farming, but also about the rural life and the countryside that's obviously all around us. So it's an educational programme, which at the moment isn't happening in its conventional sense. No, unfortunately, um, obviously since COVID in March, 10,000 children we've estimated have actually missed out on our free farm visits that we obviously had booked in. But obviously we just have not been able to get the visits back out on farms as normal. But obviously we have had to adapt a large portion of our work. So how have you adapted? What have you done? We formulated a, a new concept called Farm in a Box. So what we're actually doing is bringing the farm into the schools. So an amazing activity box full of um, activities to do with farming, to do with biodiversity. And we deliver this box full of resources and activity cards direct into the school so that the teaching staff can deliver that box to the children. How many boxes, how many children have been involved in this? Um, so last term from September to December, we had 67 boxes go out across the country. Um, a large portion of those are actually from Lincolnshire, which we're really proud of. Um, and that actually reached over 2,000 children. Um, so that was a really good start to say we only actually launched it early September. We hope that obviously those boxes that have been delivered will then turn into visits as well, if next year allows, obviously COVID secure, etc. But hopefully we will carry on getting those children back onto the farms but also offering the farm in the boxes in the future as well, because we've got so many more exciting ideas coming out next year. It's important, isn't it, that children understand the journey from the farm to the fork and don't just assume that whatever's on their plate comes from the supermarket. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big thing. I say farmers that we work with are bullion house farmers up and down the country. Um, they Obviously, they give up their time and their resources free because they passionately believe it's really important to inspire young people coming out of schools about food farming and the management of the countryside um, so this is their chance really to get schools and teachers and teaching staff on the farms and to inspire them and educate them about where our food's coming from yeah, it's a brilliant project if a farmer would like to get involved in this scheme or indeed if we'd like to just find out more about it where can we get some more information go onto our website we'd love to hear of any farmers and we work with small family farmers to agribusinesses to the large estates anyone involved with farming on whatever scale um you know the main thing is passion for inspiring young people and sharing their journey so it's country trust or one word dot org dot uk and i say we really we've got lots of schools particularly on the eastern coast area where we've got a lot of schools that are eligible over near Mablethorpe, Skegness, we're looking for farmers in that area particularly because I've got lots of schools saying, please, can we have farm in the boxes? And we really want to tie these farm in the boxes with a real farmer. Verity Chapel from the uh, Country Trust, thank you so much for joining us on the farming programme this morning and good luck with the project. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. As I mentioned, I spoke to Verity pre-lockdown three, but she confirmed yesterday that their work continues producing farms in boxes and taking provisional bookings for future farm visits. And they really would love to hear from you at countrytrust.org.uk.
From education to mental health in farming now, an area of greater relevance as we find ourselves locked down once again. Stephanie Barclay from the Farm Safety Foundation, you're putting together another Mind Your Head campaign. Yes, this will actually be our fourth Mind Your Head campaign. Um, It's a campaign where it brings in... England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and actually now New Zealand and Australia are wanting to get involved because they see when we all speak together and we all use the same hashtags and we're all starting to share messages that we can help to mitigate those mental health risks, the potential ones that are there, and the vulnerabilities that the farming community face by just fostering an environment of support and that connection and breaking down those barriers you know, and also try to diversify the skills and knowledge of our industry, what we can do, how we can help, and really empowering the the community to strengthen bonds between the various organizations that can offer that practical, financial, and mental health support, really, so that we can minimize those impacts, you know, that are facing the industry going forward. When we spoke back in September as part of the uh, Online Farm Safety Week, you were doing some research then t- into attitudes uh, with young farmers and the support they need. Yes, actually, we've been doing um, this for the last seven years. We've done an annual tracker. So actually what we do understand this year is that even given the challenges posed by COVID, you know, awareness and engagement levels in farm safety initiatives are being maintained by young farmers. You know, and it's great to be able to see that, say, 71% of young farmers under 40 are aware of Farm Safety Week, 75% are aware of us, Farm Safety Foundation, Yellow Wellies. We can actually then go to see that actually 63% of people who are aware of us have actually engaged in one of our activities. So it means that we're hopefully encouraging them to be aware of the messages around that. However, the frightening thing is the tiredness, rushing are the key influences on them risk-taking and that's what we need to start addressing. Mm, So much progress in 2020 but still plenty to be done as we move into the new year. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, the, I want to come the day where uh, we're not needed, where there's n- <laughs> we do not need a farm safety foundation, you know, and I go and get a different job. Go <laughs> <laughs> and put your feet up. Stephanie Barclay from the Farm Safety Foundation. A very happy new year to you. Hope, every, hope you have a good one. And thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. To Agronomy Now with Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. Good morning, Sean, and a very happy new year to you. Yes, a very, very happy new year to you too, Steve. And of course, to all of our listeners, and I hope everybody had a happy, healthy, peaceful, and above all, a COVID-free Christmas and New Year. And finally, we've got rid of 2020 and we're into 2021. Not a sentiment, I suppose, that they would echo over the pond to see what's going on over there is absolutely heartbreaking. It's hard to believe that could possibly happen, but it just shows you the power of social engineering. Social media has a lot to answer for with a lot of the lies and the mischief which has been done and the misinformation and the the, the untruths that people are taking as fact, it's terrifying. And we're seeing that in everyday walk of life. So my heart goes out to the people over the pond, but let's bring a bit of sanity back to the UK because, of course, farming and agronomy, despite the lockdown that we're now in, will carry on to grow the food that will feed us all. And the best place to be, trust me, is in the middle of a field, in the middle of nowhere with nobody about. Um, and that's what I'm doing. So not an awful lot to report on the winter cereals. They look pretty much as they did before Christmas. Um, the 
mildew, the, the minus twos and the minus threes that we've taken over the last few weeks are really starting to dry that up and brown it off and kill it off. It hasn't been cold enough to kill aphids yet. We need minus six or below to do that. But we're only just starting into winter and hopefully those conditions will come as we move forward. Yellow rust, of course, I keep saying this, but until it gets cold enough to physically kill the leaf the rust is on, it's not going to make any difference to that. Pretty much varietal this year. We know where the patches are. We know where the varieties are. And that's all in the planning stages, really, to move forward to a eight or ten weeks time when we start thinking about fungicides. Um, black grass control, pretty good. The preems have worked so well pre-Christmas and we're in the driving seat. And as things stand today, we are in front of the black grass. It is not in front of us. All seed rape, if you've still got propizomide to put on, you've got until the 31st of January to get that on. Yes, you can apply it on a wet leaf. Yes, you can apply it to a frosted leaf. But in the conditions we've got at the moment, when you look at soil temperatures down below two and constant nighttime frost and daytime struggling to get above three or four degrees, these crops have gone now into tick over, whether they be winter cereals or oilseed rape. They're just ticking over. So you have to ask the question, is there any point including in with mypropizomide a trace element or a fungicide? If you're looking at life, light leaf spot, for example, as your target in oilseed rape, and that's why the fungicide's in, we only get three weeks protection from fungicides on light leaf spot. We don't kill it. So light leaf spot won't pose a threat to the crop unless it starts to turn into warmer conditions where the light leaf spot's growing and also the oilseed rape's growing. So for me, I'm not putting a fungicide on for light leaf spot because I will waste that three weeks protection and the money that it costs me to give me that because the conditions are giving me that level of protection anyway. If in doubt and you don't know what you're looking at, take a few leaves, stick them in a polythene bag, stick them in the airing cupboard. And if you get this characteristic white speckled halo around the lesion you suspected, then it will be light leaf spot. But very little really to talk about in oilseed rape. If you've got carbetamex, uh, carbetamide products like Cro for example to put on you have until the end of February to put that on um, so just doing Nmaxes remember everyone should have an Nmax in place before they start applying nitrogen to their crops so you need to get your Nmaxes sorted organic manure records sorted the nutrition management plans all of those things now's the time to be doing that get the paperwork up to date and the other thing I'm doing as chairman of the Association of Independent Crop Consultants is getting ready for our big national conference next week we have a three and a half day technical conference conference. We start at 8.30 in the morning. We finish at seven o'clock every day. Um, we have a massively technically focused um, conference. We usually have it in person down near Silverstone at a big hotel and spa complex. But this year, of course, with COVID, we're doing it all online. So we've built a bespoke web platform that looks absolutely fantastic. Hopefully it lives up to its expectation. But our, when you look at AICC, it's the biggest body of independent crop consultants in Europe um, with 278 members in the UK looking after just over 47% of all of the arable crop advice here in the UK. And we run a, a conference which is packed with technical stuff. This year, we've got our ARCC trials as usual. We have trials sites across the UK, north, south, east and west, across the whole of the United Kingdom. Um, huge, everything from fungicides, uh, herbicides, insecticides, trace elements, snake oil, biologicals, you name it, we have them in our trials. 
and they are purely for the benefit of AICC members. We've got a big fungicide review this year of the chemistry we've got, the chemistry we're using through legislation, the new chemistry which came last year, the new stuff which is coming next year. We're looking at biological control agents, silicon, etc. The whole environmental land management thing will be gone into in great detail. The whole agricultural transition away from direct payments. So we've got DEFRA coming to talk about that. We're looking at the future of plant breeding alongside Niob and Rothamsted, the genome editing, CRISPR tech technology, hybrid wheats, the future of arable farming very much in focus with Minette Batters introducing that whole session and a big, big piece on regenerative agriculture, how to transition to it, how to manage it once you're in it. Because with public money for public good, this whole regenerative approach and uh, integrated pest farm and crop management is going to become hugely important. We think it's vital that our members have those tools available to them going forward. So hopefully this time next week, I will be able to report on a very successful web-based digital AICC conference that took three and a half days and wore us out. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks, Sean. Like the Country Trust we spoke to earlier and so many other organisations, Lincolnshire young farmers have found themselves frustrated at not being able to do what they do so well. Charlotte Garbutt is the chairperson. Charlotte, no conventional social events for YFC for some time, but you did have a successful welly relay at the back end of last year, didn't you? We did, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, our our members, they all mucked in, they all got involved. Uh, we had um, a target of 199 miles and, you know, they absolutely blew it out of the water. We did nearly 1,000 miles and across all of our clubs, they, you know, they walked different parts of Lincolnshire and... You know, we're, we're really active in, in trying to raise money because one of the biggest concerns we have going forward is that, you know, Young Farms is a registered charity. And um, although we are very, very charitable, we raise a lot of money for a lot of really good causes. Actually, at the moment, you know, we kind of really need to be looking um, at home, really. And, and, you know, how are we as a federation going to um, continue without, you know, without the, the much needed support that um, we would normally rely on? You know, this is going to be something we're going to have to continue doing. And, you know, we're very grateful for all donations that, that are received. And, you know, we're very thankful to uh, everyone who's donated, um, local businesses, action farmer members um, and, and the general public. So, you know, we'd obviously like to take this opportunity to thank them, um, you know, for, for donating to us. I know, I know it's difficult. Are you able to plan much for the new year? I must plan 2021 every night in my head of all the wonderful things I'd love to do. Um, but I think we have to be realistic and you can kind of get a bit disheartened when each month passes and, you know, that's a set of activities or competitions or events that you cannot do or you have to push back. So at the moment, we're kind of trying to run in line with a lot of um, hospitality and events. Perhaps uh, late spring, early summer, we might actually start to do things so um you know we're, we're hoping that we can have our county rally this year because it was it was certainly missed um missed this year if that does take place when would that be uh, so that will take place in may um is a kind of a key month for us in young farmers lots of lots of things going on and uh you know this year we obviously did it online uh, so we had lots of classes online and we still try to obviously put on as much as we could for the members but it's just never the same as you're being there and, and seeing each other in person and uh, cheering each other on. It's sad when we can't get together and have a, a pint or a coffee with, with people we don't get to see all that often. No, that's, that's correct, Steve. I mean, particularly for the young farmers, uh, what, what worries me is that a large chunk of our members 
either live in kind of rural areas and, and also working in the farming industry, which is um, they're in isolating jobs. They're not actually seeing that many people. So uh, Young Farmers has always been a great outlet for, for networking and socialising each week. And, um, you know, we've been putting on lots of activities online um, just to try and get members engaged. But I completely relate to people when, you know, they say, oh, you know, I'm not bothered about going on Zoom or whatever, because, you know, I, I have quite a lot of Zoom calls with work during the day. So when, you, when you've got to, you know, join something in an evening, it's not always, um, you know, the most exciting thing. But, yeah, we've, we're doing everything we can, and we just hope we can resume normality as soon as possible. I think it makes you appreciate all the things we had before. Um, and I think certainly going forward, people will, when we do resume normality, will, um, you know, will really appreciate those things and, you know, that those things that we probably have taken for granted in the past. OK, Charlotte. Charlotte Garbutt, County Chairperson of the Young Farmers Club for Lincolnshire. Have a very happy new year. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Steve. Let's see how the markets have been performing back from his festive break. Welcome Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning and happy new year, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Happy new year to you. We've started 2021 with some higher ex-farm values and global futures grain markets have seemingly found fresh momentum. Arguably a perfect storm for events leading to a shortage of short-term supply, a perceived increase in demand and behind it, some investors trying to cash in on any market change. Whether we like it or not, the global benchmark market that are the US CBOT futures is where we all get our lead. Post 3pm UK time this week we have seen some dramatic increases as funds continue their short-term bets on the market rally. The theory being that without Russia supplying cheap wheat to South America, currently out of the picture, anyone wanting to buy maize or soybeans in particular has to head to the US. Post the Biden election win, the dollar moved weaker which inflates the value even more and the momentum they arguably have the monopoly on international business. This is unlikely to change unless the buyers start to balk at the price of the different sources that become available. And this will likely be South America. The largest gains have been in soybeans with maize in hot pursuit. Wheat has risen, but not to the same extent. Stocks are higher in wheat than in the other two, although the price has risen with the three markets so interlinked. Malting barley, heavy news flows over the Christmas break with Brexit deal and lockdown number three, all being digested by the market. The breakthrough in the Brexit debates adds some clarity to the market and the UK exports can continue unimpeded to the EU. There is additional paperwork but no tariffs, so this maintains a route to market to our largest trading partner. Then the resurgence of Covid creating a third lockdown in the UK, creating more uncertainty that has been added to the demand and the outlook for the brewers and molsters alike. Prior to this, the market had been operating on a hand-to-mouth basis with trade levels ad hoc. A similar market structure remains with feed barley values supporting the malting barley values, but only for now. Oilseed rate, well very little has changed in terms of the market dynamics with the US soybeans, Chinese demand, South American weather and physical seed availability, which are all in the mix. US soybeans remain the main origination for global demand at present, which has greatly supported values which are trying to find a level to ration demand, which, at the current projection, will deplete US stocks entirely for this year. On the back of the continued Chinese purchases as they seek to rebuild their pig herds and feed the nation, along with this, dry weather in South America has impacted the production prospects for the crop, which is due in the next couple of weeks and will struggle to meet some current projections. UK have followed the Matif futures higher and they in turn have tracked soybean gains. 
physical seed availability has been liquidated in the UK and has been limited, which has added support to the market. There is a USDA supply and demand report out next Tuesday, which the market is keeping a close eye on for adjustments to ending stocks in the US and projection forecasts for South America to set the course for the market in the short term. Moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for January 200 to 201, February 201 to 203, May 205 to 207 and November 160 to 162. Milling wheat premiums for old crop are currently 20 to 22 pounds. Moving forward to barley this week, feed barley for January is 150 to 152, with no carry forward to March at 150 to 152, a small rise in May of 152 to 154, and new crop November is 142 to 144. Malting premiums for a 185 nitrogen are 10 pounds, and for a 165 nitrogen are 18 pounds. Oil seed rate this week, as mentioned above, we have had a rise in values. January 373 to 375, March 376 to 378, staying the same into May though at 376 to 378. November new crop is 350 to 352. Thank you very much. Thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Staying cold with highs of just 4 Celsius, but dry today. Light winds from the southwest staying in single figures. Monday looks to be mostly dry through the day with brisker winds from the southwest up to 15 miles per hour, warming a little in the afternoon with highs of 6 Celsius tomorrow. Some light rains expected overnight into Tuesday when the wind veers round to the northwest but eases back into single figures. Mostly dry and sunny through the day with temperatures around 4 Celsius. Some heavy rains expected on Wednesday, cloudy all day with the wind moving back to southwesterly and picking up a little into the mid-teens MPH. A warmer night into Thursday which along with Friday looks cold, mostly dry with brisk westerly winds easing off as we head into the weekend. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard. Thanks for joining us today. We're back next week at the same time. But before I disappear and as lockdown three begins to bite, if you find yourself needing support, practical or emotional, can I give you the contact details for the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, LRSN, who provides such a great service to the rural community. If you need them or want to talk to them, visit lrsn.co.uk or call 0800 138 1710. Until next week, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.